I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Adler, and I'm joined by... Venomous Vinny. Hi, Toddy. Hey, those of you who are longtime listeners may notice that there was a voice missing at the beginning of that introduction. Our dear Professor Wagstaff has an ailing, furry friend. And so, if you could send out your thoughts and your good vibes for Professor and George the Cat. They need all the the friendliness they can get. So, uh, we're recording tonight, doing a couple episodes... Uh, this first one is a very unique one, uh, chosen by Venomous Vinny, who does have an original idea every once in a while. <laughs> and so, uh, this is a little bit of kinder trauma. Vinny, will you explain the idea? Uh, the idea for me was to give us a chance to talk about things that aren't necessarily in the genre of horror, and I understand that this is a horror podcast. And that's why most of you are listening. Uh, But my idea on this was to pick a movie that was outside of the genre, but still scared you when you were a kid. Because I know, for instance, a lot of people cite uh, at least the scene in Pee-wee's Big Adventure of Large Marge. Always. Scared a lot of kids. Pee-wee's Big Adventure, clearly not a horror movie, but that, that... scene scared a lot of kids so it was in that kind of a vein of a non-horror movie that scared you while you were a child and i just thought it would be fun for each of us to choose one of those and to discuss it so yeah we'll be talking about our choices and then doing just a bit of a round table at the end so it'll be a mash meets round table sort of idea okay yep well i'm grizzly abner and i chose the dark crystal Venomous Vinny, I chose The Elephant Man. Hot Toddy, I chose Young Sherlock Holmes. And Professor had chosen Kindergarten Cop. And so we won't discuss his in-depth, but we'll give you uh, just a a taste of why he had chosen that and uh, our experience with that as well. So, what do you want to do first? How about Vinny? Okay. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Vinny chose The Elephant Man, uh, 1980, directed by David Lynch, which uh, I, I did not know that till I started watching it. Um, first time watch for me. Uh, starring oh, wow. Anthony Hopkins, John Hurt, Anne Bancroft, and Freddie Jones. All right. Well, this was a first full watch for me. Okay. Um, I know I'd seen bits and pieces of it. It was on... It's really weird. I remember, strangely enough, this was on TV as a kid. Mm-hmm. And it 
as I've talked about on the show before, I didn't grow up with cable. I had the Farmer 4. So it was not only not on our good Fox channel, it was on our bad Fox channel. So we could be in Richmond, Indiana. We could pick up Fox 45 out of Dayton, Ohio. And we could pick up Fox 19 a little bit out of Cincinnati. And so we picked up The Elephant Man... On Fox 19 was shitty quality, so not only did I get to see, like, a scary-looking guy, but it was a scary-looking guy with fuzzy reception. Mm-hmm. So uh, all I, I, I just remember my dad trying to explain the concept to me at a young age, and I'm like, what is happening and why is this on the television? <laughs> so. so my dad showed me this when I was probably... I want to say 9 or 10. And it was probably because it aired on TV because we also had the Farmer 4. And I was presented with exactly what it is. It's this true story of this man that was horribly, horribly disfigured. and But underneath that all was a kind, gentle person judge a book by its cover all those lessons in life and i understood all of that (laughs) but his visage was terrifying to me i could not put it out of my mind i mean i remember drives home from my grandparents house they live 45 minutes away i remember drives home and sitting in the back seat anxious and fearful of when it was when I got home and took a poop that the elephant man was going to be behind the shower curtain. <laughs> and logically, I knew this was not a thing that could happen. <laughs> this is not real life. But hit the visual of him was so frightening to me. That it overcame all reason. And as a result, I remember in fifth grade and also in seventh or eighth grade, I did reports, book reports or whatever on the Elephant Man. And it also made me very uh, interested in sideshow freak show performers from back in the day you yep yep that's what sparked that and i think that was a case of getting to know your fear to overcome it and that's why that became such an obsession for me for such a long time obviously now i appreciate the film for what it is and and i don't have any of those fears now but boy as a kid this this ruined me when i was a kid yeah. Makes dogs wild. <laughs> Sends these dogs wild. I, I kind of found it ironic. I, I, I kind of thought it was funny because of uh, Elephant Man. As soon as I started watching it, I, I thought that's kind of funny because freak shows. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I instantly thought of that. Uh, I do have to ask: was was Mama gang raped by elephants? <laughs> is that how? Is that how he was made? Not the, even ten minutes in yet. <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> The, the true thing is that <laughs> there is a, I don't know if it was ever substantiated, but there you, used to be back in the day if there was a, a, 
deformation with a child. They were attributed to a traumatic event that the mother went through. And they would say that they were marked by filling whatever animal they conjured up that the person looked like. And I don't, I think it was probably the sideshow that came up with the thing that his mother was knocked down by an elephant at like a circus. And so because of that trauma while she was pregnant, he was marked by an elephant. So and that's why he ended up. So no, to answer okay. your question. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> I thought that's how maybe he was produced. Okay. No. Uh, also. Would have been an easy birth. I kind of feel like, was there something with this movie where like it almost became hard to get? Like I kind of feel like. There was something like I don't. I, don't, I feel like I, there was a reason I've never seen this movie. So I feel like it disappeared, and then I had trouble watching this. So I downloaded Pluto yeah. as recommended, and it paused every twenty minutes, and I couldn't get it to move forward. So bad to the point where I was so frustrated that I was like, "If this does it one more time, I'm just going <laughs> to stop it and put on Dumbo." <laughs> Same thing, and, and just uh, just finish that. But um, I remember, like, there being so much about the... Like, my mom always talked about the elephant man. Like, she never wanted to watch the movie because of how bad he was treated. It's a tough watch. Don't get me wrong. And um, I just remember, like, it not being widely available. And then I... Tubi had Elephant Man, but it's, like, 1982, and it's some cheesy... Not, not that it didn't catch me the first second because it's got some weird guy in underwear, but uh, definitely not this movie. It's uh, a different type of elephant trunk, if you know what I mean. Wow, wow, wow. So uh, it just made me wonder if uh, if there wasn't something tied with it, and uh, definitely, like I said, I'm, I'm really familiar with the movie. Had no idea David Lynch directed. Had no idea Anthony Hopkins was in it or John Hurt. I didn't know until I wrote it down that he played the Elephant Man. Um, so, strange. I feel like it's a movie that's just kind of almost... I mean, it hasn't disappeared, and it's still talked about, but... Well, it's odd that it was made in 1980, and it's in black and white. Yeah. yeah. So, that, that in itself. And then, it's it's strange, too. I feel like it's... It influenced movies that you probably don't think about, but like Friday the 13th Part Two, um, which I know Town the Dreaded Sundown was kind of its own little thing, but um, you have like the little... The bag over the head, and... Um, I can't remember. Do you do you hate MJ or you like MJ? Michael Jackson. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, partial. Yeah, I mean, I you can't deny you. Yeah, I'm indifferent. You can't deny the talent okay. that he was at all. Because you know they always had weird things too, where he like saying he owned the Elephant Man bones okay. and all that. Oh, this is weird because you know that, and this is also the second Anthony Hopkins pick. Too. I, yes, it is. I threw. Uh, what was it? The last one. Oh, also, again, young Anthony Hopkins, where he's probably like like forty five. <laughs> <laughs> magic. Uh, that was the last one I picked. Yeah, magic. You know what? It is funny that you mentioned it, Todd. But he was. He would have been forty three in this. Really? Yeah, because he's uh, he's eighty five now. Oh wow. <laughs> I, was just, I was just joking, but because he is old. I mean, he is older in both movies. But well, what year was Magic? We're around the same around time. Around the same time. So, yeah, 70, he's been, 78, I think. He's in his 40s playing yeah. like a young guy. <laughs> um, 40 is young. Yeah. 40 is the new 21. 
Well, I, I thought I figured Michael Jackson probably had the bones because of that one dance routine that Elephant Man does. <laughs> he goes, was that Leave Me Alone? <laughs> yeah, we had. Was it the uh, the stop motion animation Elephant Man skeleton he's dancing with? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So this is, I I texted Vinny and, and Wilson earlier, and I said because I watched Elephant Man today. And I said, uh, Vinny, I'm going to need you to hold off on any more uh, sad dramas <laughs> featuring Anthony Hopkins for a while. I said, I started talking about another one called Shadowlands, um, which is definitely not podcast appropriate. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a really good movie. Like it's it's not something I plan to sit down and watch many more times no, it's in my taxing. life. Yeah, it is, but it's just really well made, and I think it just shows. Um, really what, you know, what David Lynch's chops look like, um, that he can make a really good, solid, straightforward movie. It's not too weird. I feel like it's, it's, it's also too, it's, it's you, I think a lot of people don't think about this, but I feel like it's every old school horror movie. Cause all the old horror movies, they're really just about a person that is disfigured. Yeah. Or it looks different. Did you guys notice that the little person in that sideshow who... They all free him after he's recaptured or whatever by the sideshow uh, proprietor. Uh, that actor is Kenny Baker, who was inside the R two D two. Oh, and the I didn't Star catch that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm really glad I watched it. Uh, I think it's an important piece of cinematic history, and it tells an important historic story. Um, so yeah, it was good, and I could tell. I could understand why that would terrify you. Absolutely terrifying. And me. it gave me big shades of Eraserhead watching it. Just the the prosthetic job on the Elephant Man. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, do you want to give like a, a brief synopsis? Are we going to try and give a brief synopsis? I can do that. Uh, so the story is based off of the life of uh, his name is actually Joseph Merrick. Oh, okay. But for some reason, uh, Dr. Treves always referred to him as John in all of his writings. Uh, but this is a dramatization of his life. Uh, Joseph Carey Merrick uh, was born normal. Really? That's what makes it even more tragic. Huh. He was born normal. Uh, as time progressed, uh, his right arm began to grow. Uh, his mother died when he was very young. His father remarried. The stepmother was not kind to him. Uh, He worked for a while to help the family out. He was rolling cigars, and then the hand became so disfigured that he could not do that anymore. Uh, He had a large tumor that grew out of his mouth that had a tusk-like appearance. That was actually surgically removed at one point because it was actually impeding his ability to eat. So he, if you're not familiar... Uh, Google it. There are there are actual photographs of him from when he was alive. Basically, he was, they believe, a combination of many ailments. Wow. Uh, but he had enormous bone tumors and growths uh, and a lot of extra meat on his head. And he had, uh, his thigh bones were very emaciated. One leg was larger. His spine was extremely curved. Like, there's so many defects with this guy. And ended up, he, he couldn't do anything else and went into the sideshow. So, anyway, that's where your story. Frederick Treves is a, a young, up-and-coming surgeon at the, is it the London Hospital? Yeah. 
and he catches wind of of this anomaly and seeks him out and has him come in and presents him in a lecture hall for other doctors. Uh, they end up uh, John, as he's called in the movie, ends up living in the hospital. Uh, there ends he ends up becoming famous, a famous resident there, and even some of the royals start to befriend him. And now, is that all true? Yes. Okay. And then Treves starts to struggle with the question of, have I made him a spectacle for people to gawk at all over again? Am I the carny now? Am I a carny? It's benefited me by yeah. having him here. Everyone knows my name. I'm a famous doctor surgeon. Did I just do the same thing to this man? Uh, and then by the end of this story, it's a spoilers, obviously, uh, he ends up passing away. He always wanted to sleep like a normal person. His head was so heavy that were he to sleep like a normal person, it would cut off his air supply because the head would tilt back. He finally decided... It. Treves speculated that he finally just wanted to sleep like a normal person because all of his pillows were on the floor. He slept in an upright position with his head resting on his knees. Uh, a thing I watched recently that came out in the last few years uh, where they did some forensics and looked at his his neck... They believe what actually happened. What because if your air supply starts to get cut off, you have a response. It's why you can't drown yourself. Yeah, and so they don't believe that's what happened. What they do believe happened though is that the head was so heavy that it started to put strain and cut off the blood supply and possibly gave him a stroke. Okay, but that's how he passed the sleep. So anyway, that the movie is a dramatization of this life. Now, something you guys may not have known is who this movie was executive produced by. No. And that's because his name is not on any of it on purpose. Any guesses? Steven Spielberg. Mel Brooks. Really? Uh, I, I took a screenshot a while back because this came across my feed. Uh, this is from... Let me see if I can find the... Uh, I don't see what the Facebook group was, but on this on in 1980, The Elephant Man went into wide release. The movie was executive produced by Mel Brooks, who was responsible for hiring writer and director David Lynch, who was working as a roofer at the time, and he was offered the chance to direct. Uh, obtaining permission, he obtained permission to film in black and white. He deliberately left his name off the credits as he knew that people would get the wrong idea about the movie if they saw his name on it. We're talking about Mel Brooks here, given his fame as a satirist. When Paramount Pictures studio executives were shown a cut of the movie, they wanted the opening and closing surrealist sequences to be cut. Brooks, according to producer Stuart Kornfeld, said to them, We are involved in a business venture. We screened the film for you to bring you up to date as to the status of that venture. Do not misconstrue this as our soliciting the input of raging primitives. (laughs) 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 Which I love. Uh, It says, in 2008, uh, interview with The Guardian about the making of the movie, Brooks recalled that David Lynch was unprepared for the bitter cold of the London winter and didn't have a suitable overcoat, which Brooks bought him. Also that he couldn't adapt to not eating Bob's Big Boy burgers every day. Regarding Lynch, Brooks said, quote, he's very obsessive-compulsive that way, but, you know, he did find a burger joint in London, and he ate there every day. (laughs) But uh, very interesting that that, a movie with that much gravity 
was executive produced by Mel Brooks and that he had an, enough foresight and to set his ego aside to not put his name on yeah. it so that it would be received the correct way by the general audiences. Well, he did The Fly. Is that, yeah, yeah. It's a very, uh, The Elephant Man, it's, uh, like I say, I got the story, I understood the story as a kid, but it just didn't matter because that primitive lizard brain part of me could not handle that visual. And the thing is, in reality, that the makeup is phenomenal in that movie. Phenomenal. Reality is, it still isn't as bad as what Merrick actually looked like. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Quite a tale. Quite I'm glad that you guys hadn't seen it before, kind of, and, yeah. and and have watched it because that's fresh eyes and perspective on it. But yeah, absolutely ruined me for a good year and a half when I was a kid. It was uh, an ideal gloomy Saturday afternoon viewing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how, uh, I didn't look into it to see how it performed in the box office or anything like that, but I imagine being a drama, having the scary imagery, and being in black and white in 1980 probably didn't help how it was received theatrically, I would expect. Yeah. Very interesting. We can find out. If only we had a device. Have the mail girl if, check that if, out. If only I would have done any preparation as far as that kind of thing goes. But hey, you can't be everywhere at once. No, no, good movie. I, I mean, can I can see why it's scary. So me. it was uh, it was made for five million and uh, it grossed twenty six million. Okay, and, and I do like to point out though too because I feel like when you say that today, people go, "Oh, so it tanked?" No, that did not. That was tank. a considerable. That was a considerable yeah. hit. So, yeah. Um, and to note too, it was released October 10th in 1980. So that was probably their kind of like Halloween hit. Well, it's wild. I can't imagine what that makeup process was like. No. I, like I said, I had, I mean, I'm mind blown that that's, I had no idea that that was William Hurt. John Hurt. John Hurt, William, whatever. <laughs> They're two different guys. Tomato, Are they? Tomato, tomato. <laughs> Which one was in Skeleton Key? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't remember Skeleton Key. <laughs> that's John. Okay, is that yes, who this is? yes, yes, yes. That was John Hurt. Yes. <laughs> so that's yes, the elephant. Man. That's the one. He was the bedridden guy. In Williams, yeah. Williams okay. the accidental tourist. Yeah, Williams from uh, he's altered states. Oh, okay. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, very well, very well. Good, good, good. Another Lynchian type film. Would y'all recommend the Elephant Man to other peoples? I would. I, I wouldn't recommend it as a horror movie. I uh, wouldn't recommend you show your children. No. No, please don't. Please don't. All right. Toddy, what would you... Todd's looking for the elephant man out my back door right now. What, what, what would you like to do next? Good pick, Vinny. Uh, let's, let's roll into... Uh, how about your pick, which is, before you say it, The Dark Crystal. <laughs> 1982, directed by Jim Henson and Frank Oz, who also do quite a bit of the characters. Jim Henson's kind of famous, right? <laughs> Uh, we feel like he did something else. We uh, we share a birthday. Oh, dude. Ooh. Um, I had a hard time coming up with a pick for this episode, and we'll talk about that a little more with Roundtable, but I just couldn't really think of things that weren't horror that scared me, or even like really horror adjacent. Um, and so I was thinking, I was thinking, I was thinking, then I was like, well, the Dark Crystals, I remember that one scaring me pretty bad. 
but it's hard to find that to watch anywhere. So maybe we'll go with the it's it's sister film Labyrinth um, because that has also has some parts in it that scare me. But uh, uh, Vinny and Professor encouraged me to go with Dark Crystal, and and we found out it was on Paramount and. Pretty much everyone but me owned it, I think. I own it. Yeah. So everyone <laughs> because, but, because it's Jim Henson. <laughs> yeah, everyone but me owned it. So um I tell you, I have not watched this since I was a kid. And I just remember oh, wow. as a kid, it was just freaked me out. I, so this I, is my I will say this is one of my top. I mean, I know because Jim Henson I feel is like a lot lighter than normal for this is one of his darker films. Oh yeah, for sure. But uh it's weird because this is one of my first that I went to and then I seen you talking about it. Because I was I was leaning toward Dark Crystal or a lot of uh, um, uh, is it Don Bluth? Oh yeah, because man, talk about dark kid movies. Yeah, I, are we gonna, are we gonna die? <laughs> <laughs> windows are open, kids. It's November and windy AF out here. Tornado like winds today. So I had I saw this movie in the movie theater when I was a kid, and Joe I could have been like four or five if it came out in '82. And you were sixteen. <laughs> and I I was I loved it. I loved it when I was a kid. I remember I had one of those record and books when I was a kid. It's something that I've always owned on some form of media and have watched it throughout my life. I'm a big fan of Jim Henson and puppetry. So this movie, this movie, I absolutely adore this movie. And then when I sat down to watch it this time with it, why it was picked in mind, I started remembering being four years old, five years old in that theater and some of the things that did scare me when I watched it when I was a kid. Uh, I think we share uh, like I love anything Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love puppetry, and I like anything where you ram somebody's fist up an ass. So <laughs> you know, always love for that. Not even thirty minutes in. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm trying to think. What the first time I might have watched Dark Crystal? Because I feel like Labyrinth and Dark Crystal actually saw. Like later, like maybe uh, I, I was part of the YMCA program, like where I'd go there after school and like camp and stuff. Latchkey program. What's that? Was it part of the latchkey program that all the kids from our generation were, where we wore our keys around our necks and our parents were never home? Pretty much. So the Y in places like this would set up programs. I just want to make sure I'm... for you to go there after school, so you don't have to go home alone. Well, you made it like I did. They touch me. Like... <laughs> Did they touch your? Did they touch your latchkey? Maybe, uh, but like they would show like uh, some of the some of the really cool movies. The first time I saw was there like Short Circuit and Karate Kid. I think Labyrinth and I want to say Dark Crystal. First time I saw was probably on VHS at the YMCA. So um, I don't ever remember being scared, but I would definitely say of of Jim Henson films. Man, and, and honestly, Labyrinth has quite a few dark moments too because. Um, I mean, man, it, the, the the baby being stolen alone, but well, let, oh yeah, I don't want to get too deep in that. Let's also keep in mind how old is Jareth, <laughs> well, <laughs> and and how old is Sarah? Do, do you know who? Uh, uh, granted, we're we're branching here because it's not it's not the pick, but you know, save it for the round table. Originally, who uh, was supposed to be in Labyrinth, right? Who are you going to tell me? Woody Allen, Michael Jackson. Oh, <laughs> good choice on his part. <laughs> good foresight. <laughs> But yeah, Dark uh, Crystal. Scary. Yeah. 
<laughs> Moving on. Um, the basic setup is, you know, it's funny because I, I, I was laughing while I was watching it, and I was like, this is just a Jim Henson retelling of Lord of the Rings. It, and I got those vibes big time this it, time around. But what's it. funny Lord is... Lord of the Rings ripped him off. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jim Henson predates J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah. Uh, Where do you keep the bourbon? <laughs> second drawer down. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, but then as I sat and thought about it, I was like joking in my head, like, every fantasy story is some, it's part Lord of the Rings, it's part biblical, and Lord of the Rings is based on Scandinavian and Germanic folklore. So, like, there's nothing new under the sun. Right. So, like, right. Lord of the Rings is Willow. Willow is Dark Crystal. You know, it's, like, all like it's biblical themes. It's heroic themes. It's it's folklore themes. And so, it's not a knock against it. I was just, but specifically because he was searching for a specific piece that would fix everything. That he has to take back. Very, yep. very Lord of the Rings-ish, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so the basic setup is you've, uh, the world has been shattered by this problem with this crystal that used to be a crystal of light. It is now a dark crystal like the title. Uh, it's missing a shard. Uh, you've got the, the race of the baddies, which are the Skeksis, which are a weird giant hulking bird like creature, which as a kid are creepy as hell. Oh yeah. Uh, and the one that just keeps going, mm-hmm. I hate your wine. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have the good race, which is the mystics. And they're scary in their own right as a kid because they're just big and lumbering. Like, I think they're adorable now. But as a kid, I didn't like things that move slow. Forearms. Yeah. And they go, oh. Oh. I'm not joking. <laughs> Todd. Oh, wet blanket over here. And um, so they were creepy to me. And I, you know what's fun? This is sad. But I think the reason all these things creep me out is because I used to go visit my great grandmother at the nursing home. And these creatures reminded me of the people at the nursing home that would creep me out. I'm sorry. My mom used to work at nursing home. She was a nurse. And when I would go to visit, I would get swarmed. Because I was a kid oh, yeah. by all of these residents. They're very excited. And it is terrifying. And God bless them. <laughs> yeah, and, but as a child, it is yes, terrifying. Yes, it is terrifying. So, yeah, you had... This is like your Wizard of Oz. A little bit, yeah. Um, and so, then there's this destroyed race of Gelflings. And there's one Gelfling left. He lives with the Mystics. And they they send him to to find this shard. This is part of the prophecy. Well, so that's what we find out later, is that... So he just thought that the Skeksis killed his parents. Well, they didn't just kill his parents. They wiped out the whole race of Gelflings, which goes back to a biblical tale, Herod killing all the holy innocents because of the the, the wise men told him Jesus has been born. And so it's like these <laughs> mystical, mean, hill, mystical hillbilly facts. My, my, my brain is bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so... Where's Kermit the Frog in this... <laughs> But then what's really interesting is that the leader of the mystics dies, and so does the leader of the Skeksis. And then you start finding out that there are these parallels. So when the Skeksi gets hurt, one of the mystics gets hurt. And things are moving. And then another Skeksi dies, and a mystic disappears. And so um, 
he finds so this Gelfling Jin finds out that he's the one in this or he's in this prophecy, and that he's the one to find the shard and restore balance to this broken, fallen world. Hear any other themes here that I'm spitting out here? <laughs> um, and uh, that's the gist. So it's just a it's a it's a it's a fantasy mm-hmm. adventure. Yep. From this point on, and he encounters weird creatures along the way. Uh, <laughs> crazy female lab creature, also voiced by Frank Oz. Agra. Yeah, Agra. <laughs> the first Muppet to be made with nipples. I was going to say, uh, 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 a lab worker with big horns and big titties. I'm like, that's, that's big titties on a puppet. That's strange. <laughs> yeah, first time nipples ever were on a Muppet. <laughs> well, that's a good bit of trivia. Um, and then, like, the Skeksis have these um, uh, these creatures, these beetle-looking things, the yeah. Gertham. yeah. That are there, like doing their way, and they just fuck up anything on site. <laughs> yeah, and that's creepy. Yeah, as a kid, there were a lot of like. Uh, I remember the scene that bothered me the most when I was a kid was when the Chamberlain loses the trial by stone, and they strip him of his robes. Yeah, and because the Skeksis are this fragile bird-like creatures so they wear layers and layers and layers of robes to give them girth and size and it was almost like a fucking prison rape scene <laughs> like, yeah. they back him into a corner and just start tearing and then they back away and he's all fucking just nasty looking i remember that bothering me as a kid yeah and so that's the thing is like not only are the things creepy looking but they're mean yes and so when things look scary and they're mean i mean that's Yes, I re- I remember uh, it didn't freak me out as a kid, but I could see it for other kids when the emperor dies, and his body just crumbles like ash. That was a cool effect. Really but, cool. Yeah, creepy out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, those giant beetle things you were talking about. There's a couple of scenes in the movie where, well, when the podlings are all yeah. and they just come mashing through the walls and like. Stealing the podlings and shit, and that's terrifying. During their lit ass party, <laughs> yes. I'm like, hey, these dudes are having a good time, man. And they they look like they're potato people. <laughs> they're so cute. Uh, and Augur's place, they come smashing through the walls there too. And Blow it up. Yeah, it. They are menacing, and there there are a lot of things in this movie. As I watch it as an adult, that I'm like. Uh, was that should my parents have really taken four year old me to the theater to go see this? And that's now comparing it side by side to to Labyrinth, which we'll talk about later. But like it, parts of Labyrinth are creepy. A lot of Dark Crystal is. Creepy. Oh yeah, like, oh yeah. <laughs> and and I'll, I'll holler back to this when we start the more of a roundtable thing. Uh, but for now, we'll I'll I won't get into that now. But. The other part, uh, when the podling is being drained of its essence by the crystal, by the Skeksis, so that the Emperor can drink it and be young for 30 seconds, and they turn, like, their faces sink in and their eyes go all cataract, and, like, they're zombie slaves after they do that shit to them. It, it, there's a lot of, no pun intended, dark shit that goes on in this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Any thoughts, Todd, at this point before we round third here? I mean, I prefer him in Audit's Jug Bay for Christmas. <laughs> you showed me that like three or four years ago. And it's one of the cutest things oh, I love it. ever made. Uh, I mean, it, 
I love Jim Henson. This I love Dark Crystal, but this it's kind of odd for Jim Henson. But it's oh, yeah. I still love I still love Dark Crystal. Um Oh sure. I, I mean I'll probably I, buy it now. I, oh yeah. I love the, I love the film. Um it's probably one of my probably of, of his movies. I mean, I prefer to watch the Muppets and stuff over over mm-hmm. this, but I still I still watch this often. I love that other than some wide shots, there's not a single human actor in the movie. Like people there's like those Beatles are clearly people wearing a big puppet style costume. The human hand is obviously there, but they're all they're all puppets, muppets of some sort. Yeah. And that is amazing to me, especially because it's not the the muppet style like Sesame Street or the Muppets, it's more of a realistic looking thing. The sets are absolutely amazing and the whole time that I sat there watching it, I thought nobody makes anything like this anymore. No. There's no chance being taken on something so wildly new and innovative that this movie absolutely was when Jim Henson made this. Just I think it's beautiful. The set design's beautiful. And the puppeteering is amazing. The puppet design is amazing. All that being said, how much I love it. Uh if anybody's curious, I couldn't finish the Dark Crystal series. It was on Netflix. It just didn't grab me. But no. this one, I love this. I and another thing that freaked me out as a kid, uh when when the female Gelfling, what's her name, Kira, yeah, gets stabbed in the back by the Skeksis with the giant ass blood knife, that after, was after, disturbing. As after a kid. they throw her dog down the well, <laughs> yeah, this old fizz gig. That's Kinder trauma, okay. man. Okay, yeah. first off, we're if you were a kid of the eighties, you were already traumatized of wells. Thanks a lot, baby Jessica. <laughs> yeah. Every five minutes, there's a baby falling down a well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, old fizz gig, looking a lot like Puka when she needs <laughs> There But there's a lot of uh, a lot of dark shit in this movie. Yeah, especially with an adult eye going back and watching it again. It's like, whoo! When the uh, the giant like stilt creatures that the gilblings are riding, and then those beetle things kill them. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, take them to the ground, and as it's screaming, swarm it like, and they and they showed you beforehand. Those two things were parents. They had a little one with it. I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with st- stretching, but to me, this is like Mister Rogers doing this type of film. Like, <laughs> yeah, because Jim Henson's just always so like a national I mean, treasure. I mean, yeah. He never. He. I think why Jim Henson and, and like Mister Rogers and even Walt Disney, they never. They never treated children stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. to me, there's still like you know like. Because uh, because Walt Disney always has a lot of scary stuff in his stuff because he knows that kids love to be scared. I was that's I mean, what I was going to bring and, and up. Maybe that's what Jim Henson was going for with this movie, but it's still kind of like, damn, Jim. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, I feel like every time somebody said that to me, it was like, it's got dark in the title. <laughs> Actually, it'd be like, it's it's got dark in the title. <laughs> it's got dark in the title. <laughs> so, um, I'm sorry, so, that was my best experiment. <laughs> So there's a happy ending. The shard gets placed back in. All is restored, and we find out the mystics and the Skeksis were actually light and dark that got separated of one creature. Yes. So so all is restored. All they is they balanced. heal Kira. She's fine. They yep. find Fizzgig. Augur finds him. What are you doing down here? <laughs> So everything's everything is cool, man. Everything's cool. The, yep. The podlings get released. Yep. So 
Yeah, it's it's a really cute movie now, but man, as a kid, it, it's, it's I the, can totally see why. Yeah, it's, a, it's the early the early eighties was a dark time for kids too. Like it was just it was fucked up. <laughs> There's a that meme going around. Snoopy, Snoopy left Charlie Brown. He wouldn't come home, and you know, like uh, all these orphans. Like orphans was the big rage back in the eighties. <laughs> you know that meme going around, and it's the characters from McDonald's, and it's like, hey. Did you have scary stuff when you were a kid? I'm like, hey, everything. Kid, even the fun stuff was scary when I was a kid. So, yeah, 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 good stuff. Well, that was good a stuff. good pick. Yeah, it was a fun excuse to rewatch it since I've been too scared since I was six. <laughs> so, good time. Hot Toddy, what is your pick? So, uh, I, I too uh, was challenged with the, the assignment. Um, so I went, uh, my pick was Young Sherlock Holmes, 1985, directed by Barry Levinson, written by Chris Columbus. Um, this movie's produced by Steven Spielberg, Henry Winkler, Kathleen Kennedy, Frank Marshall, which explains the, the crazy budget. Um, the names attached to this movie <laughs> blew me away. Me what? too, because I had never heard of it. Yeah, same. I'd never heard of it. I used to watch this movie all the time. And as the credits are rolling, I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Seriously? Uh, Cast-wise, uh, which is weird, Freddie Jones was also an elephant man. Uh, Sophie Ward, Anthony Higgins, Alan Cox, Nicholas Rowe. So not a lot of big cast, but big names elsewhere. Um Man, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that used to terrify the shit out of me. Yeah, he, also, I mean, just right in the, from the kickoff, I was yes. like, yes, that would have been very scary as a kid. Uh, I, so, I mean, obviously, I think the title tells it all. It's it's a, a story of uh, young Sherlock Holmes. Um, Sherlock go, uh, goes to a boarding school. Uh, it shows us how Sherlock meets uh, also a young Watson. And... Um, other students start mysteriously start getting murdered or um, coming up dead, and they believe they're being poisoned. And <laughs> there's like this <laughs> I don't know what I, I will bring up one point of uh, so there's crazy fears throughout this movie that I had. Number one, I was terrified of blow darts, <laughs> I thought that was a real fucking thing. Okay, all right, so let's pause real quick here. Let's talk about unhealthy fears we got in the eighties: blow darts, ninjas, ninjas, and go back to Dark Crystal. Uh, there's a little bit of a, a quicksand. quicksand. I was going to say quicksand. We all just thought that quicksand and blow darts were going to be everywhere. Yep, yep. <laughs> I thought that was going to be a major problem. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, blow darts, uh, and then these blow darts made you trip balls. <laughs> yes. Uh, so hallucinogens. Um, Man, like, and, and I mean, to this day, like, even without rewatching the movie, one of the scenes that sticks out is they're like in the church, and I believe a blow dart, and the I, I think it's a, one of the saints or whatever comes out. It's a gla- uh, window stained glass, but man, it comes out. It, it like becomes alive and comes out of the window. This movie scared the shit out of me. And again, hallucinogens, blow darts. Um, <laughs> Cults. So yeah. now we now we start dealing with crazy cults, satanic panic. Yeah, an Egyptian cult, which we all love Egyptian <laughs> stuff because mm-hmm. of mummies. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so mom, we have the 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 mummies. Um, I was thinking for some reason I was thinking the um, 
The bad guy was uh, the main bad guy from from Sherlock Holmes, which is um, Moriarty. Moriarty. Yeah, but I Sorry. think I think the professor was Wrath or whatever. But yeah. Um, so it's been a while since I had watched this movie, but uh, yeah, what an odd movie. And then I, I haven't thought about this in a while, and it's weird that Chris Columbus wrote this too. And we'll probably get pulled for talking about this because uh, I never thought about it either. But the old movie Troll. Apparently was going to remake itself, and they're not allowed to be remade because of J.K. Rowling. Because it's too much like Harry Potter. Even though it was made in 1980, and she basically probably ripped this movie off and ripped Troll off. But they're not allowed to remake them because it's too similar to her property. Hmm. Is this a QAnon theory? (laughs) It is. (laughs) <clears throat> but uh, similar, because uh, even uh, young Watson looks almost like Harry Potter. A little bit. <laughs> but it, uh, it, It's got a big Hogwarts feel. Uh, and and I, I think that's another one, too, is uh, I think even like the idea of boarding school, to me, terrified me. was just you're away from everybody you know. Um, and then you like make friends, and, and then you kind of even get separated from them, because I didn't understand the... The concept of boarding school is like you're you're pulled away from your family and your your friends, and then you become friends there, and then you're yanked away from them at some point too. So, yeah. So, well, a lot of fears, and and I I hadn't seen this movie in a while, and I was like, well, um, kind of had been lingering on this title and and Dark Crystal and a couple others, so. Oh, I almost picked The Secret of Nim was one of my other ones. Mm. That popped up on a lot of Kinder Trials. Oh, so I've, I've never seen it. Don, oh, really? Don Bluth, American Tales, another yeah. one. Don Bluth, probably, we probably could have just done a whole episode on Don That's Bluth. That's no shit. I remember American <laughs> Tale and Five Goes West. <laughs> well, Don, Don Bluth was, uh, I think him and Tim Burton both worked at Disney. And I think Disney was, was about the same time to both of them, like, um, hey guys, <laughs> how about you not? <laughs> We're going to have to let you both go. So this was obviously my first time watching young Sherlock and so uh, you had never heard of it. No, no. And, and I was like, Oh man, they kept trying to show me young Sheldon, which is even scarier than this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, young Sherlock Holmes. And so I don't think I've ever admitted this on air before, but I'm a mark for Sherlock Holmes. Really? Like you guys love, like you love Jekyll and Hyde mm-hmm. and Hunchback, and you'll watch anything that you can. Like I love Sherlock. Holmes. I love wow. Sh- I love Sherlock Holmes. My, yeah. Well, my mom, my mom loves. My mom hates horror. My mom likes thriller, loves mysteries, and loves Sherlock Holmes. So I'm kind of a mark for Sherlock Holmes. Yep, I love Sherlock Holmes. I've even got a shirt. That's a reference from an episode of BBC Sherlock Holmes because they'd mentioned with Benadryl Cabbage Patch. Benadryl Cabbage Patch, exactly. But they talk their Hound of the Baskervilles episode. It's about the Hound Project that takes place in Liberty, Indiana. And I'm like, you mentioned Liberty, Indiana, on a show in the BBC on the BBC. Bravo! So I've got that shirt. Anyways, nerd alert. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Like I said, I'd never seen it before, and I I loved it. I loved watching it. And the scary scenes, the hallucinations, I mean, those, I, I could imagine as a kid, really being freaked out by this. I did not know this movie existed, which once I hit play and I saw Spielberg and Chris Columbus's <laughs> names alone, what? I was like, and this is from 85, like I was... 
seven years old, eight years old. How have 17. I never heard of this before <laughs> yeah. with the names attached? I I have never been a big Sherlock Holmes guy. I, and it's my dad wasn't into it, so I never really was exposed to it. So it's not something that I've ever really sought out to watch. Um, because Cushing was also Sherlock Holmes in mm-hmm. movies, wasn't he? Peter Cushing's? Peter Cushing. I think he did a couple. Yeah, I think so. Anyway. Basil, Basil Rathbone was a big. Was so, a big I had a, a professor. He's Wag- a big Sherlock guy. He's a bigger yeah, Sherlock guy. Professor Wagstaff, I did not know, is also an enormous Sherlock Holmes, and hit, that was something he and his dad did connect on very early in life. Uh, so anyway, not something that I would have. I didn't know it existed, but even if I did, at this point in my life, I probably wouldn't have sat down to watch it. Um, I really liked it. I thought it was really good. I almost felt like this was teetering on the point of almost being like a Goosebumps type thing, like horror for kids. Mm -hmm. Though, of course, I don't think that really existed as any kind of a genre at that point. Right. But I ended up really enjoying it. I thought the production value was, was up on it. I do like that they... And it's so unnecessary, but I love that they're like, even though the original author has established that Watson and yeah. Sherlock met as adults, he, his musings were, what if they had met earlier? Like, totally unnecessary, but they still do it yep. and point that out for maybe the diehard people go, well, actually, they did not meet until... but. Yeah, I found it to be very interesting, and I have watched a few of the uh, Benadryl Cabbage Patch BBC <laughs> versions of uh, Sherlock, and I did enjoy the episodes that I watched. So I don't know, maybe I give a little more, uh, maybe I give a little more watches to Sherlock as a character in general going forward. I mean, if Data from Star Trek: The Next Generation likes him, why shouldn't I? You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, if I got to pick between Sherlock and James Bond, I'm going Sherlock every day of the week. I'm not a James Bond guy either. Yeah. So I like I like it's weird. I feel like I feel like I have family members that kind of influenced me on a lot yeah. of the major characters. So <laughs> it's like uh, you're there's either Elvis people or Beatles people. <laughs> <laughs> you can like both, but you don't like one as much as the other. <laughs> so, do you want to give a brief synopsis of what the movie is about? I mean, basically, okay, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, mean, I think the only thing Todd really left out is that at some point. It gets to the point where they enlist young Sherlock to help solve the crime because yeah. he's put some of the pieces together. But yeah, I mean, you talked about the darts, the hallucinations, etc., the cult. So that turkey in the beginning in the restaurant oh, when, the, when it comes to life, I was not ready for. I was because I didn't know what I was getting into this movie at all. That that was all looked great and was totally unexpected. I really enjoyed when that. that happened and it looked as good as it did. I was like, "This is." I already know this is going to be. A good Did you movie. set your phone down and yeah, lean back? Yep, yep. I quit playing <laughs> on my phone. I was like, "Yep, this is it. This is it." Uh, this, this is a movie that, and I'm not even sure where it's at with Blu-ray. Probably not a Blu-ray release, but I still have it on DVD just because. Who knows when it'll ever come out on? It, maybe it's on Blu-ray at this point. I don't know, but I still have the DVD of it. I can't believe. I just. I'm so surprised that it's not that I've not somehow, some way, seen it on a Netflix list as I'm browsing yeah. or anything. Like I had no idea that this existed. I, I feel like this is probably, I feel like certain movies for certain reasons kind of like, like uh, 
Kind of, kind of like uh, how Wonder Years disappeared for a while because of the music. Yeah, Miami Vice. I feel like maybe because of the property of Sherlock Holmes that maybe this disappeared. Yeah, for but a while. Sherlock Holmes is a public domain character true. at this point. Like anybody can use those characters to do anything they want. And it's true too. But yeah. no, but it was a good. I think it was a good choice, Todd. Number one, I'd never seen it, so it exposed me to something new, and it actually ended up being something that I really enjoyed. So good, good choice. And then uh, if, if we want to briefly touch on um, the professor's pick, we could, I guess, go into that. I think we can touch on it, even though he's not here. And uh, we, I certainly would have liked to have heard more of his insight as, as to why he chose it. Um, I do have... I was just looking it up. But I, yeah, it. I do have <laughs> the message that he sent to the rest of us when we were choosing these. And so I can... I can pop this off and give you guys an idea as to why he picked this movie. So he picked it and he said, it's a silly movie. What do you want? Let me, let me do uh, details. Go and then you yeah, go it. ahead. So, uh, so the professor picked Kindergarten Cop 1990, directed by Ivan Reitman, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Penelope Ann Miller, Pamela Reed, Linda Hunt, and Richard Tyson. So the professor chose this one. And said, it's a silly movie, but at seven or eight years old, the concept of school not necessarily being safe, and adults being not who they said they are, or aggressively dangerous, really got into my psyche. And this is not a movie that I would have ever thought that somebody would pick. And I believe right after he picked it, I was like, I'm not mad at it, yeah, you know, at it all. It blew my mind. Yeah, and and once he laid out why, I was like, so that gives me a different angle to go into this, this viewing with this time. Yeah. And obviously, I've, I don't know about you guys, I've seen this movie a bajillion times. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> we had a copy of it at the house when I was a kid. Like, I may have seen this in the theater. I can't remember. I was a huge Schwarzenegger fan. When I was a kid, huge Schwarzenegger fan. I mean, like that's what this came out. He's, he's in our our generational this, psyche. Like, this, yeah, he's, yes. he's part of our fabric. 19, yes. This came out right on top of Home Alone, and, and no. So me and my friend Krista, we literally alternated going seeing Home Alone and Kindergarten Cop in the theater. Like we saw these so many times. I think Terminator Two was what made me Schwarzenegger nuts. Yeah, but. Definitely everything that he did after that and anything I could get my hands on that he had been in, I watched as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, from... Well, I mean, plus it had the kid from Pet Cemetery in it. <laughs> <laughs> We're not allowed to say his line because it's not PC anymore. <laughs> but talking about quotable. I mean, part oh. things from this movie are still quoted today well and that's what professor also said in his messages he was like we quote this movie so much on the show like recently i remember uh what movie was it we were watching where the kid gets killed and you said and it's the kid from kindergarten cop who says mr kimball are you okay yep that was in children of the court <laughs> yeah he was he was the isaac character in what, like part six 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 yeah no five because isaac was back in part six um yeah. So yeah, like it was the the little redhead kid, Mr. Kimball. Are you okay? Yeah. So it is extremely cool. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. <laughs> this is a ferret. Uh, it's it's funny too because it, 
I wouldn't think that someone would pick this either, but when you guys did your picks, which Dark Crystal, I guess, is kind of a stretch, but knowing the stuff that you like, I kind of feel like your picks all fit you guys. Because, mm. man, Kindergarten, like, if, if it, it totally fits the professor. It really does. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he was also a guy who was real big into Schwarzenegger, wasn't he? He's a big last action hero. He loves last yeah. action hero. I could see where he may not have grown up with a lot of Schwarzenegger because of the the, the high regard for film in his household. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I wonder, too, how he... Cause so, so Kindergarten Cop and Home Alone... Like a lot of the things that 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 he in Home Alone that he's terrified of, I just thought was ridiculous. Like being Home Alone, man, I, I was like the. Uh, I'm trying to think. Some, it's it's bad, but I'm trying to think of some of these movies where, um, like I feel like we were the kids. Like like Christmas Story, I feel like we were the family, like the bully or something. Like that was our family. <laughs> so like, to me, it was weird to be scared to be Home Alone. And we were that we were probably the witness protection family with like the drug dealing family. <laughs> so, but we were never on the other side. So it always made me wonder, like you know, a kid that's never been home alone. And I think of a lot of kids now, where a lot of kids I went to school with, that like their kids are turning seventeen and eighteen, and they don't even know how to cook or nope. they they they've <laughs> like sheltered their children. Um, so I mean, I guess it's just the way you're raising stuff. So. I've often said that while our generation, we were left to raise ourselves <laughs> where our parents were at work, then our generation has turned into helicopter parents who do not let our children out of our sight ever. There has to be a happy medium someplace that would create healthy human beings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I think it was a good pick because it's a great movie and I love it. And I really just, I, I appreciate the position from whence it came. How long has it been since you've seen it? Year, a uh, year. It was on something streaming, and I got so excited because I haven't seen it in a while. <laughs> and obviously, if I ever saw it anywhere on DVD used, I'd buy it. I haven't seen it anywhere, and it was on something streaming. And I like texted Carrie. I was like, Carrie, Kindergarten Cop, got to watch it soon. And so it's yeah, I'd say maybe it probably been a decade plus before that. That's where I met with it. It had been a decade or more since I have seen this last. Like I say, I burned it up when I was a kid. But I have not seen it in a very long time. And I'm happy to report back that it holds up. Well, that's the thing. It's not only funny, but, like, it's a serious movie at the end. Like, you know, when the kid expresses, you know, he's got this place on the tower because the bad people can't mess with him and his mom. Like, there's some deeper heartstrings to be pulled in this movie. And then, like, when the, the big climax at the school happens, like... There are people shooting at a school where kids are at. Like, yes, it's like it's not just a silly. Which movie. honestly, at 1990, the school shooting thing had not become just another American happening that we're numb to. Yeah, that we were. This is years before Col- Columbine. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. well, like almost a decade. Yeah, almost. I uh, I, I probably had been at uh, about ten years uh, as well, and then I, I a few years ago, I'd kind of got to where. I just needed some comedies and, and I feel like a lot of really good comedies you don't, you don't see out anymore. So I just started buying some uh, like stuff off Amazon and this was one of them. Like I just started uh, like uh, like problem child and kindergarten cop and a lot of uh, comedies that I really enjoyed that I couldn't find anywhere. Unless it's SNL alumni, 
you don't find many 80s, 90s comedies on the shelf. They just yeah. weren't as mass-produced. Well, well, you know, most most stores don't really cater to, to carry-in movies anymore because there's not space for it. It's true. Because we've made it that way. And I, much like when we were, I watched The Dark Crystal, I watched this and I thought, nobody's making things like this anymore. <laughs> no. Because if they are making something that is in the same vein as this, it's usually got a B actor in it, in the lead. Somebody who's past their prime. It's poorly acted, and it's straight to streaming. Yeah, you're right. Like, you might see something like this, but like Larry Cable guy is the lead. Yes, and it's real bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Th- this was... An, this was I think just a product of its time. I think that this is the more I look at it and I don't think it's just nostalgia and rose colored glasses, but I think that this era was a very strong time for cinema. I think that things were being made that were genuinely creative. Uh, We weren't at late stage capitalism like we are now where everything is a product. Uh, Things still were a project back then. Yep. And I it it's well rounded to hit as as uh, wide of an audience as possible. It's got your action, it's got your romance, which they do not beat you over the head with. Which a lot of movies in those times, it's really cheesy and they really beat you over the head. With. I think it's handled well and with some grace in this one. Uh, I watching it this time as an adult, I got unexpectedly and strangely emotional when Kimball is shot in yeah. the school. This time, just getting old and soft, you know. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, it bo- that bothered me this time, and I don't know if you guys know this, and I'm sure that the listeners don't know this, but when I graduated from high school, my old oh, Schwarzenegger got shot at your school too. Who <laughs> 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 that tickled me? Uh, when I graduated from high school, <laughs> my first job out of high school, I worked at a daycare. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I don't and think you ever shared that on air before. I worked with, uh, at first, uh, school-aged kids, and then specifically I worked with the kindergartners after that. So uh, there is a certain connectivity that sure. I had to it a little bit. And being uh, being male in that, in yeah. that position as well. Not common. No. Uh, I, I think this movie deals with... Talking about a family movie, and we've got druggies who are intentionally overdosed. (laughs) They show the blue corpse at the the corners. Uh, You're dealing with witnesses and and how the legal system works. Uh, A side story with an abusive father. A side story with the abusive father. And great red herring as far as that went as well. Uh, You've got... It tackles the uh, the subject of divorce in several different ways, yep. in different situations with it. Kimball has a son that his wife doesn't want ex wife doesn't want him to be around to help raise. Yeah, and he's resigned to that because she's got a good husband and she's fighting it and won't let him around and this and that. So I don't know. It, it, it's much deeper as an adult as I watch it this time as it was when I was a kid watching it. It's more complex than the cover art would lead you to believe. Yes. And Thora Birch is 
a little girl in that classroom and <laughs> she is a scene stealer. If you watch that, when they're singing Old MacDonald, she's dancing. On the, like, <laughs> cracks me up every time I see it. So good. Also really weirded me out when I watched American Beauty and nope, she had her boobs Don't out. want to talk about it. That's like when uh, I was growing up and, and Drew Barrymore, I was like, oh, no, man, that's Gertie's boobs. Don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, um, I was going to say, too, the, the fact that they they totally sold this as pure comedy. And the only other comedy he had done at this point was Twins, which he wasn't really... I mean, Twins was hilarious. Sure. But it was... I think... Everybody knows it's because Danny DeVito. Yeah, mm-hmm. Arnold was the. So this was man. his yeah. first like solo, like on his own. Because up, up to this point, it was all action or serious for Schwarzenegger. And even with kids being a huge part of the cast of this movie, nobody's a bad actor or cast poorly. No, I think I think the chemistry with him and the kids too work really well. Yes, this goes all the way back to our like pandemic reunite episode like when i talked about watching pumping iron for the first time and it's like him retiring from bodybuilding you could just tell he had the chutzpah like he was gonna go on to do big things like this guy yeah i i would liken dwayne the rock johnson as today's equivalent yep um i know we're trying to get off of this but the little principal lady is Mm -hmm. so good in this And then um, his partner, who's sick, who was supposed to be the teacher originally, (laughs) every time it gets me when she kills the mom at the end. Not so tough without your car, are you, bitch? (laughs) Such a great line. Uh, And and for the professor's end of things, uh, Chris starts a fucking fire in the school. Full of children, and this man starts a fire in their library. So he can kidnap his son. And then... Uh, as soon as Kimball approaches him, he puts a gun to his own kid. <sighs> so I can totally see at a very young age that being bothersome. Sure. Yeah. It's a good movie. And then you got a ferret biting a man's neck. <laughs> <laughs> this is a ferret. <laughs> I do a terrible arning. <laughs> was that what that was? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Don't don't ever do that again. Yikes! <laughs> we won't be getting the requests for uh, that one like we do the Vincent Price. I'll stick with Vincent Price and Tracy Morgan. <laughs> so uh, should we maybe just throw out a few that? Uh, yeah, because I have, I have a, another one that I almost did. I, so I was going to do Wizard of Oz, but I feel like that one everyone. I feel like another one that everyone talks about being terrified of is Return to Oz. I was uh, that is. <laughs> I all, I was like, man, I almost picked that one. That one, what the main part is when the headless, uh, the queen's head, they're screaming. At, at, oh, so so the queen. First off, she she doesn't have a head of her own, so she so she everybody. so she ganks everybody else's head. Then you got those weird like Tron roller dudes. Yep. Uh, Feroza Bulk is Feroza Bulk. Dorothy. Um, man, the whole the whole thing is terrifying. Uh. Let's circle back to Labyrinth real quick. Um, yeah. I think the only part Bowie's cup, yeah, <laughs> his codpiece. Yeah, the only the, the parts that stand out for me that, that freaked me out. I mean, some of the puppets are a little creepy, but um, when she falls down in the well, oh, the hands, the talking hands. Uh-huh. Don't like that. Still don't like they get, it. They get a little handsy. Yeah, yeah, they do. And then, um, the, and then the 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 double dildo scene for drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? You, sir, have never seen Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> okay. 
Darren Aronofsky. If you've never why, seen, okay. why, why are you writing that down so fast? Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, then the other puppets in that one, the, the ones that like the fire dancer guy. Oh, where they pull their heads off and kick them around. Didn't yeah, like that. Did not like yeah. that as a kid. Yeah. Now, see, you remind me of the babe. Oh, the babe. <laughs> babe with the power. <laughs> what power? Power voodoo. <laughs> Voodoo, you do. Do what? Voodoo. Remind me of the babe. Uh, yeah, those guys definitely weirded me out when I was a kid, pulling their legs off and shit and their heads. And yeah, that that was a pretty creepy part of the labyrinth. Again, I love the labyrinth like that's. But as an adult, when I watched it for the first time, I went, wait a minute, how old is Jareth? <laughs> how old is Sarah? What is going on with this movie? Yeah, that's a good one. I'm trying to think of some other ones that. We said the large Marge thing that definitely oh, stuck with large a Marge lot of people. Always scared me as a kid, and the monkeys in Wizard of Oz. The Return to Your Wizard of Oz. And I, I would say I would go out there, depending on your age, even Beetlejuice, because if, if you're I a had, young child, oh like, yeah, I had cousins that were terrified of Beetlejuice. I never was, but I, I guess I can see it. Yeah, like I, I, I think if you're a young child. Um, the theme music to X Files, I couldn't even be in the room oh, with it. Yeah? I could, I, I could watch parts of the show, but I could not be in the room with the music and intro to X Files. Uh, I don't know that it counts with really what we're talking about, but the unsolved mysteries scared the everybody. Yep, that's the other one I was going to say too. Because at because it was unsolved at, at the end of it, and they still don't know whatever happened to the man who murdered children exactly your age. And I'm like, oh, cool, bedtime now. <laughs> Three counties over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yet every week I would sit with Grandma and watch the next Better episode. Better believe it, yeah. And that was the, what I was going to bring up. Todd kind of touched on it earlier because if you look at a lot of early Walt Disney, mm-hmm. that witch in Snow White is scary as shit. Maleficent was scary as shit. Uh there was an episode, I believe, of Making Monsters, which was on the Travel Channel. It spotlighted Distortions Unlimited, uh, Ed and Marsha Edmonds. They they have been making masks and, and horror props for a long time. But Dick Van Dyke bought a large yard display because he does his house up for trick-or-treaters every year. And he loves to scare kids. And he said that Walt Disney told him that kids like to be scared. Yeah. It's like a roller coaster. Yeah. It's a controlled fear. And so that's why in all those early Disney moments, there were a lot of scary imagery in those things. Fantasia's got some scary shit in it, oh, too. Oh, man. The, the, uh, I forget the name of it, but the, the mountain. Yeah. So Disney knew it. Disney knew kids kind of like to be scared. And that's what... Uh, young Sherlock kind of rang true to me yeah. on that, and also the Dark Crystal. It was okay. for kids, but it had some scary shit in it. Man, I, 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 I kind of, I don't know why I forget about it, but Bambi. Oh, you got the scene where they're running through the forest, terrified, and bam, Bambi's mom is dead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Pinocchio, the scene where Lampwick gets turned into a a donkey, and all the other kids do too. That is a pretty fucking scary moment. And I, Pinocchio is top five animated Disney for me. I love Pinocchio. I love the story in general beyond Disney. And that's another one I'll watch any interpretation at least once. But yeah, that scene where Lampwick and the other boys start to get turned into the, the mules, that is terrifying when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, Do you have one? Nope. I was just going to wrap it up. Well, I was going to say uh, the... Um 
I believe it was just a regular horse, but the never-ending story. Oh, where the kid that oh, a tray used horse yes. dies in the quicksand yeah. again? Quicksand, quicksand. quicksand. Uh, the uh, trip ball scene from Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka uh, has some scary fucking moments in it, or I guess that one would have been Chil- Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Gene Wilder. Uh, yeah, the boat scene is bonkers. No, that was Willy Wonka. Charlie yeah, you're right, because, yes, because it's almost reversed on yeah. it. Because the new one really is more Willy Wonka's movie, <laughs> and that's Charlie. And then the old one is really more Willy Wonka. Anyway, or really more Charlie. Anyway, uh, Augustus Gloop getting stuck in that tube made me claustrophobic <laughs> as shit when I was a kid, and that really bothered me. I did not care for that. Um, the what? other the other ones I didn't mind so much, but that one bothered me with him getting stuck in that tube. All Tim right, continues. yeah. I could throw out some horror movie stuff, but that would be for another episode. True that. I, I think we did a whole uh, podcast on uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes, which again is Disney. Yeah, we did. We did that in a match. So, well... Even without the professor here, we have rambled on nearly an hour and 15 minutes. There we go. And so uh, we missed the professor again. Show enough. Thoughts and good vibes for him and little George the cat. And uh, signing off for some kinder trauma with the Midwest Monsters podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by... Venomous Vinny. Hot Toddy. Stay scary. But not too scary. It's for kids, for God's sake.